Hello and welcome to DigFinVox, Voices in Digital Finance. I'm your host, James DiBiazio. If you like the program, remember, sharing is caring. Please share, like, subscribe, help us bring more people to the show. My guest today is Chris Marshalek. He is co-founder and CEO of Crypto.com. As the name implies, he's all about mainstreaming crypto. Today they've got 10 million users. Can they get to 100 million users? I spoke with Chris about the growing pains in his own business, in the markets, with regulators, and some of the new products and technologies that they are releasing now. So, Chris, great to have you on the program. Thanks for having me, um, uh, James. How are you? I'm, I'm doing well, and uh, I'm doing better now that we're having this discussion. So I've been looking forward to this. <laughs> Likewise. Um, so I want to talk about crypto.com and I guess sort of your mission to mainstream uh, cryptocurrency in people's lives. Uh, you've got at crypto.com a whole bunch of different aspects to the business, uh, even though you've only been running it for a few years. There's a, a card, an exchange, a wallet. Now you're in NFTs. Maybe you can just very quickly introduce kind of the, the way that you've built crypto.com, uh, the mission and, and, and why you have all these different pieces that you're operating. Right. So again, um, uh, our vision is cryptocurrency in every wallet. So it's all about driving global adoption of crypto. And we've been at it for a little over four years now. Um, yeah, the, the company, um, the core products of the company is the, uh, the world's largest uh, crypto visa card program and an app. And we've got more than 10 million users on the platform today. Um, and uh, you know, it's a very active user base, very fast growing business. And the way we've built our ecosystem is that you know, we, we think that um, in order to compete effectively in this rapidly growing market, you need to provide people with, with everything, this ecosystem. Uh, needs to be robust and address every single uh, need you may have in crypto. Um, so uh, we've got this retail business, we've got an exchange, we just launched a public chain um, uh, towards the end of March, uh, which has you know low fees and fast finality um, and a fully decentralized one. Um, we've, um, we've, we've also launched an NFT marketplace, which kind of fits into this narrative of driving uh, mainstream adoption of crypto really nicely because you can bring world's largest brands, biggest athletes and musicians to the platform and give them a new way to express themselves using blockchain crypto as a, as a way to deliver it. What is going to be the, the next challenge? I mean, I guess you got the early adopters, the enthusiasts, the people that probably are already somewhat aware of, of crypto and what it might be able to do for them. How do you go from 10 million to something a lot bigger? Right, so we are on a very uh, aggressive roadmap to hit 100 million users by end of next year. Um, and you know, the industry as a whole just hit 100 million uh, users milestone not long ago, right? So there's, there's a big ramp up here. Uh, but the, 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 the way um, the broader environment provides a, a strong boost for, for the industry. I think you know, the, the, this rising tide is gonna lift all the boats and we want to contribute in, in, a, in a small way to it by bringing people products that they find useful and the, the products need to be good enough for them to talk to their friends about it and just you know, onboard people one by one. 
Um, but broadly, you know, you've got this, uh, you know, global uh, pandemic, uh, which, uh, uh, you know, results in a in very relaxed monetary policy. There's massive printing. Um, the narrative of Bitcoin as, as, as a hedge against this uh, is, 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 is very strong and it drives a lot of activity. And on top of this, you've got all this innovation happening in crypto space around DeFi, around NFTs. So it's, there's plenty of real working products right now that, that, that provide real value, right? So it's a combination of those two things. I think um, uh, f fundamentally, it's still super, super early uh, in the space. I mean, 100 million people is a drop in a bucket if you compare it to the size and scale of uh, like social networks, two, three billion users. You know, there's, there's a lot of room to grow. Um, but we always try to uh, come back and, and look at this from the, from the point of view of what is, how do you create value for the end user to actually use your product rather than starting with technology and then trying to figure out a way how to apply it. That value proposition that you're talking about, Chris, how much of that is dependent on uh, on Bitcoin itself and the perception that it's just number go up and and that's it? Yeah, so you know the first uh, the first hundred million people who came into this space uh, came here to you know accumulate wealth and trade. Right, this, those are the major use cases. Um, but now you can do it um, in, a, in, in, in different ways, like in DeFi yield uh, and yield generation is a huge driver for, 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 for growth. And you can easily onboard more people who want stable yield versus people who have appetite for 20, 30% daily uh, price movements, right? So this, this on its own uh, expands the, the size of the opportunity. And then if you go to things like NFTs where you know, you've got people from music, entertainment, sports, uh, art, so different kind of worlds, right? And you can do a lot of stuff with it too. And I think we are just scratching the surface of what this could, uh, could accomplish. So uh, you're gradually expanding this, uh, the, the, the use cases so that it's relevant to broader swaths of society. Um, and, you know, we, we have to remember Bitcoin is still king, you know, everything trades against Bitcoin in this space. and. If the Bitcoin does poorly, it's uh, it's hard to see how, how how the rest of the industry is going to do extremely well. Um, uh, but it's not everything. Uh, it's uh, there's so much activity in all these areas uh, that that you're getting a, a more organic growth, if you will, in the industry. What has to happen for whether it's um... NFTs or perhaps maybe the DeFi world to to become let's say standalone uh, and and not so dependent on one token, particularly one that it can be controversial when it comes to its environmental impact. Right, um, I think obviously um, you know it it will take time, right? These things don't happen overnight, and there's a combination of you know, people innovating, user experience uh, improving. Uh, technology improving, so you don't uh, face issues like fees and network congestion, uh, regulatory clarity, um, and you know just just this crossing this chasm, right, from the early adopters to uh, to early majority. Uh, you know th this kind of uh, industries, you know, can take like a decade or two to to cross it, right? So it'll take time, but. In, in my view, it's all happening much faster than we originally 
uh, anticipated after the, the, the 2017 peak and, and a subsequent um, uh, cool down. Uh, you know, I, I, I in, in my wildest dreams, I didn't, I couldn't imagine that you, if you read those type of headlines, like you're reading this share, like, you know, we've done uh, the first um, settlement uh, in USDC to Visa recently, right? These are like gigantic corporates who are um, uh, now fully on board and help help drive this. And there's like so many headlines every week. So it's it's uh, it's gonna take time, but it's happening much much faster than than anybody expected, I believe. You were one of the first to get a card deal as a crypto company. Um... What, what is the importance today? Is that still a driver for the business? Uh, how, how important is the, you know, like, uh, the physical card aspect to, to what you're doing? I think our, you know, we've just announced um, um, in March our global alliance partnership with Visa. And just last night I was listening to, um, to their uh, uh, quarterly earnings call and they mentioned us twice, right? So we're an important partner. I think it does wonders to uh, to uh, to the credibility of the industry that you have, you know, uh, large some of the world's biggest, most reputable brands supporting the industry and crypto to come like this. Um, this uh, the, the card business for us has, has always been about uh, giving the users twenty four seven access to their money, uh, giving them peace of mind that you know when they need it they can just immediately um, spend it or you know pick up cash from the ATM or whatever. Um, and uh, and that is that still holds true today. Uh, we think the product is very very sticky. Uh, we've got fantastic rewards on it. It's the addictive experience. Every time you spend, you get rich cashback rewards, and, and it's a beautifully designed product. So it's great for branding, great for user acquisition, and great for making sure that um, you know, customers have an emotional connection with the brand. Are you seeing? Are you beginning to feel pressure from other large? crypto organizations with a large footprint. Coinbase just IPO'd in, uh, in the United States, a uh, huge exchange. Others like Gemini are also coming out with card offerings. What's, what's this space like? Do you have the liquidity and the size to compete with the likes of a Coinbase? Right, so I think the, the Coinbase um, direct listing was a fantastic uh, um, news for the entire industry and, and for crypto.com specifically. You know, they're a little bit an older company than us. They started in 2012. Um, you know, we uh, launched our uh, app in 2017, 18, right? So they have a, a little bit of a head start. And they're still much uh, larger in terms of just scale of the platform. I think the, the, the latest release numbers were there are 56 million users and we are just over 10 million. So, uh, so there's still this 5X factor but the difference is that you know we, uh, we have a better product and we're growing faster. So we feel good about our position right now because uh, being public listed gives you certain advantages like the, the higher profile of the company. Um, you know, you've got now currency that you can use for MA, so that's great for Coinbase. Um, uh, for us, you know, for example, you know, we do not have quarterly pressure of, of, of results being released, right? So um, you know, we, we can compete on the price and customers already developed a certain um, opinion about the, the way Coinbase is priced and they're developing a reputation, not unlike PayPal, for example, right? Still a very robust business, but customers have a certain reputation and you can get a better deal elsewhere. 
So we predict that we're going to aggressively take markets from Coinbase uh, and, and close the gap within the next two years in terms of the size of the user base. You're based in Hong Kong, uh, as am I. Uh, and I see sometimes some, some crypto.com branding uh, and advertising in town. Um, but you're not licensed here to, to do uh, work like, say, um, like an OSL, for example, which has a type seven license as an exchange. So what's the dichotomy there? I mean, how do you navigate being able to, to do business in a place where you don't have a license um, and others do? And are you just sort of foregoing the institutional side? And how do you handle the retail side when uh, at this point it's, it's not yet under any kind of specific SFC ruling, but, but that could change? Right, so crypto.com is a global business and, um, and Hong Kong contributes a uh, you know, very, very small percentage of it, um, uh, you know, we're talking about less than a percent. And uh, we do not uh, uh, aggressively solicit customers in Hong Kong um, uh, and regulatory reasons are, are, are a key factor in this. I think it's the proposed legislation, I think that the, the, the industry consensus is that uh, it's ill-conceived because uh, you set this very high bar and like retail won't be able to participate in the market. You have to have uh, 8 million Hong Kong dollar or roughly 1 million USD in liquid assets. Uh, so you can be served as a customer by a licensed entity. Um, so, I mean, the consensus is that, you know, people are just going to go to unregulated platforms like the ones you see coming out of China. Mm -hmm. and I don't think it's, uh, it's giving them uh, the protection um, that, uh, that, that customers need and deserve. Uh, so crypto.com is, is a regulated business in multiple markets. You know, we are electronic money station in Europe. We've got a, um, a VFA license out of Malta. Uh, we've, uh, we've got an AFSO license in Australia. We have a whole bunch of licensing processes ongoing in, in another 10 or 12 jurisdictions. So our point of view is you need to be regulated in every single market where you operate. Uh, uh, but today there's no option to get a proper uh, license as a retail business, a retail first business uh, in Hong Kong. So mm -hmm. I hope that, uh, that uh, you know, this consultation paper that is now, you know, there's, there's, there's been feedback submitted. I hope that uh, this legislation is going to be adjusted into something that, uh, that um, helps the industry thrive in Hong Kong, rather than just pushing retail to uh, to some of uh, the unregulated platforms. What are some of the other? Where is the jurisdictions where you feel that there's the most progressive movement taking place? Our view in general is that the whole industry is going to be very heavily regulated over the next two three years, and you know we are building the infrastructure to support this, um, and eventually the, the, you know, this regulatory arbitrage that you know, some people try to play is going to disappear. So you need to be, as a platform, you need to be at a certain scale that allows you to build a global brand, um, a trusted brand, but at the same time, you need to have you know, local offices everywhere and local entities that are locally regulated and, and operate within the uh, remit of, of local legislations. Uh, so uh, it's... Um, uh, you know, some when, when, countries get cut their act together faster, and some are moving slower. But eventually, we are going to get there. When 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 I hear things about DeFi and regulation, often there's a perception 
that this just means that there's no KYC, uh, you know, AML is out the window, everybody wants to be some sort of libertarian crypto dream. Um, I don't think that squares with the kind of regulation you're talking about. But at the same time, regulating networks is a little bit different than the kind of regulation that was envisaged in, say, 1930s US securities laws, right, which are regulating companies. So what do you think is the way that regulation uh, you know, what would be the ideal way that we, we square some of these circles? Yeah, these are complex issues, but I think it would be naive to assume that, uh, you know, that, that, that this space is not going to be regulated, the DeFi space is not going to be regulated just like any financial services. Um, and um, I think regulators around the world are trying to wrap their head around this and, you know, uh, Typically, if you look at this like a year ago, they'll probably look at, oh, you know, it's a small niche, you know, a couple billion dollars, it's, it's a drop in a bucket on a global scale, it doesn't matter, right? But that thing is growing extremely fast, and that attracts attention, and there will be need for, for KYC, even though those are just networks, I mean, they, they move a lot of value, so, so a regulator is going to step in and try to make sure that, that this is not used for some um, you know, illicit activity. And I think that's uh, that's the way it should be. What's going to be the next big hurdle for you? Uh, what, what do you want to get done this year? Yeah, I think you know as the company grows, um, um, you know, we, we have we've had a, a, a big ramp up and a number of people on the team, and you could see that like seventy percent of our team has never been to the office because we've been working remotely uh, since January last year. So I think, uh, you know, answering the question, how do you scale another maybe three X in the next 12 months while maintaining um, uh, the speed that you need uh, in this rapidly evolving space and making sure that in each and every product line that we have, and it's a pretty broad roadmap uh, today that we are able to, to out innovate and kind of lead rather than follow. Um, how do you organize yourself to achieve this, I think this is the, the key, the key question that uh, we're discussing internally. And yeah, because now you're getting into you know, management issues, aren't you? I mean, um, I mean we are, we've we've been very very lucky. So we have a very strong team, and and you know, majority of our, uh, our our team members come through personal referrals and personal networks. So there's a, it's a strong culture, and 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 a strongly knit knitted group of, group of people. But uh, but again, you know, how do we not lose uh, this and how do we maintain and strengthen our culture as we grow very rapidly uh, in a time where you don't really have the chance to, to see each other face to face. Mm. I think these are the things that we're grappling with right now. And obviously there's a bunch of other stuff like you know we, we're just growing super fast so you know there's, there's a tremendous level of, um, of pressure on all the infrastructure and to scale it and whatnot so um, so, but but this this part of the game, I think it's it's also what makes it so exciting. It's so so much it's so much so much fun. Last thing I want to ask you about, Chris, is the blockchain that you have created and launched. Uh, what was the reason? And maybe you can tell us a little bit about what makes this different. Like, um, what is what's the way that it works, and uh, right. and why why does it why did you design it that way? Right. So, you know, these days in the in the marketplace, you've got uh, decentralized networks, um, unquestionably decentralized, like Ethereum, um, uh, and it's, it's, it's a fantastic piece, 
technology and a great achievement, but you know, uh, it's also a victim of its own success with this huge network congestion and high fees, which impact user experience. And on the other side, you've got uh, networks that are fast and inexpensive, uh, but they're known to be kind of fully centralized. So we thought that you know it's 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 a this this choice uh, it's just like between two bad things. So we want to have a decentralized network that is highly performant, so that you can uh, build um, you know a, a proper payments product on top of this with with you know like a couple thousand TPS, um, or you can actually. Uh, mint uh, these NFTs inexpensively and let people transact. So we always approach it. Okay, can we can we build a user experience on top of this? Okay, we can't, right? So now we're going to build something that allows us to deliver the user experience uh, that we want to deliver, and that's that's why we launched this chain. And is this chain sort of open source or is this? Yeah, it's fully open source. We are huge proponents of decentralization, so it's fully open source. Um, you know there there are million people millions of people securing the network, some of them by running the validators and network, some of them by delegating to the other validators. So it's fully decentralized um, uh, public open source chain. and uh, yeah, it's a, it's a public good. It's our contribution a little bit to the industry, but it also uh, is a key critical piece of us building the ecosystem because now you know we've got, this venture fund uh, that invests in crypto startups and we're bringing people to build on top of the chain and um, it's, a, it's, it's a completely new roadmap for us. Right, okay. Well, uh, sounds like we'll be hearing more about that in the coming months. Um, Chris Marshalek, great to have you on the show. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me.